Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church Extras podcast. This is a podcast that we are doing during this sermon series to basically go into the extra stuff that we couldn't get to in the sermon. We will be looking at what the Bible says. We'll be looking a little deeper at what the scripture passages say and looking at different themes in the scriptures that just couldn't really be addressed in the sermon. So I hope that you find this enlightening and I hope that it enlightens your study of scripture. This week, we heard a sermon from Pastor Courtney Ellis that focused on John the Baptist in the Gospel of John. And one thing that Courtney mentioned was that I had told her that really in the Gospel of John, John is not the Baptist. He's more John the Witness. And this week in the Extras podcast, I wanted to explore that a little more. I wanted to talk about what we mean by a witness and the importance of the idea of witnesses when we're talking about Christian faith. So first, I need to just be very clear with everybody that when Courtney said that that was something I had told her, that was not my insight. Scholars have actually discussed this numerous times. In fact, one quote that I found influential, um, a scholar says this, "The, the figure whom we know as John the Baptist from Matthew, Mark, and Luke is never called the Baptist in John, but is the witness. He will be the one to testify or witness to the light and will show us what testimony and witness look like. So John, the witness in the gospel of John, who we also know as John the Baptist in the other gospels, he is the model for us as disciples. And he's brought into the story right at the beginning. Right away, we are shown John the witness and we are to follow in his example. So this week, I really just want to look at that idea of witness and show how important this understanding of discipleship is for us as Christians and how it might free at least some of us up to step into this calling when we understand that we are called to be witnesses as disciples. So first off, what do we mean by a witness in this context? Well, whenever you're reading the New Testament, when you see terms like testimony, testify, or witness, those are all pointing to the same Greek word, which is the same word that we get our English word martyr from. The Greek word sounds pretty much like martyr. Um, And that's where you get the idea of a martyr from because martyrs were witnesses. They were people who confessed their faith, who testified to the faith, even at the cost of their own lives. But early on, martyrs were understood to be witnesses. So that's basically what we're talking about. And this, room, this, this word, though, um, martyr, uh, this, this testify, testimony, witness, all of that is courtroom imagery. It's, it's really putting forward a legal metaphor. It's a legal term. And as a witness, we find ourselves in a courtroom. Now, I have to just confess to everybody that I like playing with metaphors, especially scriptural metaphors, so I can get a little lost in this, and I especially like courtroom metaphors. I was the son of a lawyer. I guess I wasn't, was. I am the son of a lawyer. Um, And growing up, one of the games we would do in my house was to have mock trial. While everybody else was outside playing in the sun or something, we were inside doing mock trials and we would put our cats on trial. I would be the defense attorney, my sister would be the prosecutor, my mother was the bailiff, and my father was the judge. So I can get lost in courtroom metaphors. 
Forgive me if I dive too deep into this one, but I, I think it's helpful for us to understand that this is courtroom imagery that we are using here when we talk about witnesses. And I think it's important because I was raised in a certain form of apologetics for Christian faith that would actually cast us as disciples in a different role than a witness. I was raised with an understanding of apologetics. And again, apologetics means a defense of the faith. But an understanding of evangelism and apologetics, where those two were pretty much tied together, and the role that we were supposed to fill was that of a defense attorney. I was taught this whole understanding that Christian faith was on trial from the rest of the world, and it was my job as a Christian to defend the faith, to be the defense attorney. There is some merit to that understanding. Sometimes there are certain people who are trying to put Christian faith on trial. And there are defenses that we can use. But sometimes I think we can take that approach to apologetics and to evangelism a little too far and miss our role as a witness. And I think that there are actually real problems if we start to think that primarily we are a defense attorney. One of the first problems is these philosophical arguments that get developed to defend Christian faith, oftentimes they're actually not that convincing. And anyone who has had a family member who has walked away from the faith and who has tried to reason with that person about why they should remain a Christian understands that it's not that convincing sometimes. Um, no matter how logical we think our presentation is, no matter how reasonable we think it is, no matter how solid our case seems, people still walk away. It doesn't work. People don't believe it. And I think that when we think that we are primarily defense attorneys for the faith, it puts a lot of pressure on us because their goal is then to convince everyone. But that's actually not, I think, our primary role as we see from the John the Witness in the Gospel of John. The other problem with this understanding of us as the defense attorneys is you have to build a case that builds up each step on top of the other step. And we start ending up having to defend a bunch of things that aren't really central to Christian faith. And we get worried that if we give up ground on one secondary doctrine, it means the whole Bible is going to be thrown out because then our case will fall apart. But that's not the way the Bible presents itself. The way the New Testament presents itself is that the resurrection of Jesus is the central belief of Christian faith. And really, in order to be saved, that is what we must believe in our hearts. And if you don't believe me, go ask the Apostle Paul. And in Romans 10, 9, the Apostle Paul sets the criteria for salvation when Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no secondary doctrines there. And really what Paul is talking about is the role of a witness, confessing what you believe to be true. That's what a witness does. So when we understand our role as a witness and not as a defense attorney, we're able to just say, we don't have to defend everything. We don't have to defend everything that our tradition upholds every single belief, what we need to do is confess to the reality of the resurrection and witness to the reality of the resurrection. There's one more problem that I think might be the biggest problem, though, if we start understanding ourselves as defense attorneys primarily for the gospel. 
It's that over time, the more we trust in our own reason and our own arguments and our own logic, the more we replace faith in Jesus with faith in our own arguments and faith in our own logic and our own reason. And that's a pretty dangerous place. We can start to think that Christian faith rests on our ability to defend it, which is not true at all. Christian faith rests on the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. And that's the only thing it rests on. It rests on the event of the resurrection. So this idea of us being defense attorneys and casting ourselves in that role, I think we need to understand that while there is a time for that, that's not primarily what we are called to. What we are primarily called to is being witnesses as the gospel of John presents John the Baptist or John the witness. And when we understand our role as a witness, We recognize that it's not our job to convince everyone of Christian faith. Convicting people of the faith, convincing them of the faith, that is the job of the Holy Spirit. As a witness, what is our primary job? It's to tell the truth that we have seen. It's to recount what we have experienced, to recount what we have read in scripture, and to simply sit in that box in a courtroom and tell the truth. The jury may not buy our testimony. That that may happen, but if we tell the truth about what we have seen and we are faithful to the message of Scripture, we have done our job as witnesses. Keep in mind, John the Baptist, John the witness, he ended up losing his life. He was not the most effective evangelist in this gospel. That's actually the Samaritan woman that we talked about last week. But John the Baptist was faithful and was lifted up as the model of a witness and the model of a disciple. So I'd encourage us to embrace this role of witness. And I think when we do that, we can start to see some things that shift. We shift from having to prove the Christian faith to instead just establishing that it's plausible. And maybe at times it's probable that Jesus was actually raised from the dead. We don't have to prove this convincingly because the truth is we can't actually prove the resurrection. It's based on testimony. That's the way the scripture works. It's based on us believing the witness of the New Testament. It's not something that can be proved through scientific methods or through historical research. We can say that it's probable that it happened because of the witness that we see from the early church, but it shifts from us having to prove it. There's a book that I really would recommend to everybody that goes along these lines. It's called Can We Trust the Gospels? And it's by Peter J. Williams. It's a short book of about 100 pages. But I think it's a really good model of what I'm talking about here. In this book, uh, Williams doesn't try to prove Christian faith is 100% historically the case. He believes that it is, but he doesn't set out to prove it. Instead, he shows that the witness of the New Testament is reliable and that it's worthy to place our trust in that witness. And that's a a different approach here. So I'd recommend that book to everyone, Can We Trust the Gospels by Peter J. Williams. And basically, when you look at our role as a witness and our understanding of what it is we're witnessing to and what it is we're testifying to, I think faith and evangelism especially become a little simpler. Because really then our job is just to present what we believe to be true and to recount it accurately and faithfully that about 2000 years ago, 
There was this dramatic explosion of people who claimed that a man named Jesus of Nazareth had been raised from the dead. Really, historically speaking, it's overnight that all of a sudden thousands of people start saying that Jesus was raised from the dead. And these people, they believed that Jesus had given them a way to live life that was different than any other way of living life. A way of living life that involved self-sacrifice, mercy, uh, holding the world accountable to God's justice rather than raw military power, and forgiveness. These were the values that they lived by. And it caused them to live lives that were completely different than the culture around them. These people, they, they lived this life out and they would do so even at their own cost. They would lose their lives. In the face of having to say that Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, they chose to give up their lives. Now, an important point here, and this is an apologetics point that's used to defend the faith, which it's true. And like I said, sometimes it is appropriate, but it's important for us to remember the earliest Christians would have known if they were lying about this. This wasn't, Christian faith wasn't something where one person went off and said, I saw Jesus and everybody had to trust that one person's testimony. In the New Testament, we're talking about hundreds of people who claim that they have seen Jesus raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul talks about how Jesus appeared to hundreds of people. They would have known if they were lying, but they were willing to go to their own deaths to support this belief. That witness, that testimony, that convinces me. So these early Christians, they didn't just claim that Jesus was raised from the dead. They claimed that they had witnessed him interacting with them after he was dead. That's the testimony that they're passing along. That's the witness that they pass to us. Now, another scholar, his name is Richard Bauckham. He has a book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. And what he does in this book is he presents a pretty plausible, and I would even say probable case, that in the New Testament, we have eyewitness accounts. We have people who are claiming that they were eyewitnesses, especially in the Gospels um, and in Paul, of Jesus being resurrected. So, we have to keep that claim in mind that what they are witnessing to, what they are testifying to, isn't just that Jesus was raised from the dead. It's that they interacted with Jesus after he was raised from the dead. So these witnesses, they testify to Jesus' resurrection, and I believe them. I, I accept their testimony, and that's really what marks me as a Christian. And for each of us who calls ourselves Christians, that's what marks us as Christians. Now, there's all sorts of benefits to understanding our role as a witness and what I'm talking about here. One, I think it does take some of the pressure off when we put God in God's appropriate place, recognizing God and the Holy Spirit are the ones who convince people of this. We are just here to point to what God has done, to recount accurately and faithfully what we believe about Jesus' resurrection. That's our role, and it's God's role to convince people. So I think it takes some of the pressure off of us, and it opens us up to loving people who disagree with us a little bit more on this. Because part of our testimony is our love for others, and part of our witness is how we love people who disagree with us. But I think the biggest benefit to this is that this is what the New Testament really claims. This is what the New Testament is trying to teach us, that Jesus was raised from the dead. It's not a lot of the other doctrines, however important they may be. It's not a lot of the secondary issues that are still important, but at its core, what ties every document in the New Testament together is a belief in Jesus' resurrection. 
So understanding our role as a witness to the resurrection of Jesus, it centers us, it grounds us in what the New Testament is centered on and grounded on. And this really is what the Gospel of John is inviting us to. This is why John the witness is the first human character, well, the first fully human character, because Jesus is presented before him, but the first fully human character. This is what the Gospel of John is inviting us to, is to be witnesses like this. So we tell the truth about what we have seen, we tell the truth about what we have experienced, what we have read, and we are honest. And we trust the Holy Spirit to do the work of convincing people of that truth, and we remain faithful to our testimony. That's what the Gospel of John invites us to. And if you go and you read the very last passage in the Gospel of John, the very last words in this Gospel, you see that the witness carries on. The very last words are saying that the beloved disciple is the disciple who has testified, who has witnessed to these events, and that that is a testimony that we are reading. So this Gospel, it begins with John the Baptist as John the witness, as the model of testifying and being a witness. And it ends with helping us see the fruit of being a witness because we have just read this gospel that introduces us to Jesus. So that's the invitation of this gospel. And I invite you to reflect on that and think about what this might mean for evangelism in your life. Think about what it might mean for discipleship in your life. And think about what it means that we are called to be witnesses. And we're not always called to be defense attorneys. So thank you all. God bless you. And have a good week.